Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, Well, I was born in Philadelphia, and I'm from Philadelphia. In the final hour of this program, we're going to get into this, what's going on in Philadelphia. And we have a very courageous young man, Elijah Schaefer, who was a reporter for The Blaze. And you may have seen this on the Internet as he was taking video and reporting on the looting that was taking place, he was brutally assaulted by a number of the BLM membership who were looting and assaulting people. And Joe Biden, Joe Biden couldn't put out a strong statement condemning them. They always have to talk about injustice, and we need to examine the situation, and so forth and so on. The Democrat Party, America, is incapable of denouncing looting and brutality. It won't do it. Something will be said in passing on a rare occasion, and then they'll point to it. See, we said something, but it is a problem. And we'll get back to that. Number two, Pennsylvania. Again, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm from Pennsylvania. The second time now, efforts have been made by Republicans to go to the United States Supreme Court to stop the state Supreme Court from violating Article 2 of the federal Constitution, which, as you know, if you listen to this program, provides that the legislatures shall determine the means by which electors are chosen in the electoral college system in order to choose a president and a vice president. But the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania has seized authority under the federal constitution, in violation of the federal constitution, to rewrite election laws, to extend the date on voting, to extend the date on counting the votes, 
to rule that if signatures don't match, they're going to be counted anyway. That if ballots come in after the deadline and we can't read the ballot, that is the date of the ballot, they're still going to be counted. Mostly Democrats on this court, but now the Republicans have joined them because they're weak. They're elected. But Alito, Gorsuch, and Thomas put out a very strong statement. A very strong statement. I might add Kavanaugh is in the four, too, that, that has been saying this case should be taken up. And what they said was, the question presented by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's decision calls out for review by this court. As both the state Republican and Democrat parties agree when the former applied for a stay. But I reluctantly conclude that there is simply not enough time at this late date to decide the question before the election. Here's the kicker. That does not mean, however, that the state court decision must escape our review. Although the court denies the motion to expedite, the petition for certiorari, that is the petition for the Supreme Court to hear the case, remains before us. And if it is granted... The case can then be decided under a shortened schedule. So what they're saying is, they're hoping that this case is granted. Review by the Supreme Court. They will shorten the schedule. And they will decide whether the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania acted ultra-virus. That is, without authority. In addition, the court's denial of the motion to expedite is not a denial of a request for this court to order that ballots received after the election day be segregated, that if the state Supreme Court's decision, bear with me, ah, cuts off there. In other words, what they're saying is, we might decide that the ballots counted under the state Supreme Court's order, as opposed to under state law, that those ballots won't be counted or they'll be altered in terms of the overall count. It was very, very important for Republicans to bring this matter a second time before the U.S. Supreme Court. Again, three justices, and it'll be four with Kavanaugh, three justices said, it's still before us. We're going to want to look at this. If we can get the number of justices we need to accept it, it only takes four. And we'll make a decision, and if that decision rules that the state Supreme Court conducted itself in violation of Article 2 of the federal Constitution, then that will, in fact, have consequences for Pennsylvania. So you can thank the state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania and the Democrats on that court, and now the Republicans, for creating this scenario. And this is one of the reasons the Democrats fought against Amy Coney Barrett being on the court. If she, in fact, is an originalist, She will be tested by fire. Because the originalists would hold that Article 2 applies to all courts, including the state Supreme Court in Virginia. And that that court had absolutely no authority under Article 2 to change the existing election laws in the state of Pennsylvania. Only the legislature can do that. So this was a huge, huge day in the Supreme Court. There were no oral arguments. The case is not taken up at this time on an expedited emergency basis. 
but the case may well be taken up. So my hat's off to those Republicans who supported this case. And I know there were Republicans who opposed it. I know there were legal counsel that opposed it. Foolish, foolish, foolish. The bringing of the case is very important, and it's sitting there in the Supreme Court for the Supreme Court to take after the election. This is a big deal. You're going to hear the Democrats now, because I raised it, jump up and down. But this is a big deal. Hat tip to right scoop for tipping me off to what was taking place here. I wasn't aware of the decision. It's very important that the federal constitution not be trounced. And that we get through this election with our constitution intact. Some other news before we jump in. Miles Taylor is anonymous. Miles Taylor. Who's Miles Taylor? He's a nobody. He was chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security under Kirsten Nielsen. In other words, he was a Schedule C, a political appointee. He was not a senior staffer in the White House, as the New York Times had suggested. He penned that 2018 op-ed published by the New York Times, describing the president as petuous, adversarial, petty, and effective, said he was just one of many officials working against the president and was aware of this. And so he was not, he was not a senior White House official with day-to-day activity with the president of the United States. Apparently that didn't matter to the New York Times. And Miles Taylor, on August 21st, 2020, on CNN, because he's a commentator now on CNN, as you can imagine, lied through his teeth. When he was asked by, of all people, Anderson Cooper, if he was anonymous. Cut 23, go. There was an op-ed, there was a book by someone uh, calling themselves anonymous. Are are you aware of who that is? Uh, I'm not. Look, and that was a uh, a parlor game that happened in Washington, D.C., of a lot of folks trying to think of uh, who that might be. I've got my own thoughts about who that might be, but, uh, you know, I want to focus on the president, and I certainly don't want to. Uh, I, I wear a mask for two things, Anderson, uh, Halloweens and uh, pandemics. So, no. Nick Kelly lies through his teeth, Mr. Producer. And there were a lot of people out there where there were guesses being made about who it might be. About who it might be, including Victoria and the, uh, including uh, people in the national security staff who deserve an apology. But no, it was Miles Taylor. And he writes this book and he writes this op-ed as if he's a senior official at the White House with regular contact with the President of the United States. He was none of those things. He was a relatively low-level political appointee in the Department of Homeland Security under a dismissed cabinet secretary. And look how he was promoted. Look, look how the media promoted him, the New York Times in particular. He writes a book, and he knows nothing. And then he's on CNN two months ago. He specifically asked. He not only lies through his teeth, look how deceitful he is. He was trying to think about who that might be. He's got his own thoughts on who it might be. It was him. 
him. And the Times defended running the anonymous op-ed, writes Breitbart, noting that it adds significant value to the public's understanding of what is going on in the Trump administration from someone who's in a position to know. That's what they said at the time. And it fueled weeks of cable news speculation about the identity. Waste of the time of the American people. This guy was a fraud from day one. He didn't know crap other than gossip and other things that probably told him by his former cabinet secretary. That's the nature of the media today. In the meanwhile, the Biden family corruption story has exploded. And these same news outlets have no interest whatsoever. The New York Times, CNN, and all the rest of them. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. I get emails about how people repeat the little one-liners I use. It's just very bizarre. One of the things I've said is that Joe Biden, under the standard they used against the current president of the United States, if, God forbid, he's elected president, is going to be impeached or can be impeached immediately. Of course, the Republicans have to control the House for all that's been going on with this scandal involving Ukraine, Russia, and, of course, his son. So I understand somebody today mentioned impeachment. Yes. I mean, it's true. But the Democrats don't care because they're ignoring completely this massive scandal. And in fact, today, the Biden campaign would not even respond. Would not even respond to the on-the-record, in-person comments that were being made by Tony Bobolinsky. Now, we're going to get to this story in the second hour. But this hour, I want to talk about big tech. This isn't a free market issue because big tech is protected by the federal government. Last time I checked... That's not a free market issue. Big tech, this oligopoly, if you will, uh, has protection. It's called that Rule 230 that needs to be repealed so they can be subjected to the same kind of potential lawsuits that broadcast companies are subjected to, publishing houses. It's still a a high bar, but at least there's a bar. At least there's a bar. Not the case with these high tech companies. Now, there were a couple of uh, periods of questioning that were really quite good by Ted Cruz, by Ron Johnson in particular, by Mike Lee, 
And they really pressed him. And by the way, this Twitter guy, Jack Dorsey, what, what's with that beard? My God, he looks... Anyway, that's a whole other story. So the, uh, the oligarchs were in fact testifying today, although uh, mostly virally. Makes it much, much odder, much more difficult. But let's begin this and we'll continue after the bottom of the hour as well. Jack Dorsey, as most of you know, is the Twitter CEO. He's at a Senate hearing today, the Senate Judiciary Committee, and Ted Cruz begins the questioning. Hat tip, right scoop, cut to go. Does Twitter have the ability to influence elections? No. You don't believe Twitter has any ability to influence elections? No, we are one part of uh, a spectrum of communication channels that people have. So you're testifying to this committee right now that, that, that Twitter, when it silences people, when it censors people, when it blocks political speech, that has no impact on elections? People, people have choice of other communication channels with which... Not if, not if they don't hear information. If you don't think you have the power to influence elections, why do you block anything? Uh, well, we have policies that are focused on making sure that more voices on the platform are possible. We see a lot of abuse and harassment, which ends up silencing people and having them leave from the platform. All right, Mr. Dorsey, I find your opening questions, your opening answers absurd on their face. Yep. How much time do I have, Rich? Uh, We're going to continue with this when we come back, because the next uh, clip is two minutes, and we don't have enough time. You can see how conniving and slippery this guy Dorsey actually is. And you can see how intellectually dishonest he is and the others are. They know exactly what they're doing. They know that their censors are quite liberal. This is only happening to the Trump campaign. I've seen nothing happen to the Biden campaign. It's only happening to conservative voices. I know of no prominent liberal voices that have been treated uh, the same way by Twitter. But even more, if they're going to be considered a public platform... They shouldn't be making any of these decisions. None of them. It's one thing if people are threatening other people online or people are actually defaming, legally defaming people online, things of that sort. I get it. But when you're talking about the New York Post and the New York Post breaking stories involving Hunter Biden's laptop and hard drive and emails that clearly affect Biden, Joe Biden and his family. That's a cover-up and it is indeed censorship. More when I return. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. 
Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Now, there's a larger write-up in the legal insurrection about what took place on the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. Let me share it with you. Professor Jacobson there writes, Roberts joins the liberals again in denying relief from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruling allowing ballots, even without valid postmarks, to be counted if received three days after Election Day. They've also made other changes to the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. But as the dissent notes, the issue doesn't go away. If Pennsylvania makes the Electoral College difference, and if the vote is close and late ballots matter, expect legal mayhem as everybody awaits the United States Supreme Court decision challenging those ballots. And you can thank John Roberts, who's one of the most political justices in American history, for doing exactly this. Now, people who wonder, where was Amy Coney Barrett? Well, she wasn't on the court yet. She wasn't on the court yet. And it's expected that she will not recuse herself, as she has no reason to recuse herself. She's no past relationship with this case. Uh, She didn't serve on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. There's no reason for her to recuse any more than there's any reason for the Democrats who were appointed by Obama on the Supreme Court, that is Obama with his Vice President Biden, to recuse themselves. So the court just issued its order denying expedited consideration, effectively ending the effort since the election is just days away. And as I said, once again, Roberts voted with the wrong side. And uh, Barrett was was not participating. Alito, joined by Thomas and Gorsuch, Alito is a spectacular justice, issued a dissent, noting that it's better to have the issue resolved before the election, not after the election. Of course, he's right. Sets a post-election challenge already in the Supreme Court. In other words, the case is still there. All they decided is that they're not taking it up right away to invalidate ballots received after the legislative deadline. He said the court's handling of the important constitutional issue raised by this matter has needlessly created conditions that could lead to serious post-election problems. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania has issued a decree that squarely alters an important statutory provision enacted by the Pennsylvania legislature pursuant to its authority under the Constitution of the United States to make rules governing the conduct of elections for federal office. You see Alito and Thomas and Gorsuch, and I have to believe Kavanaugh and Barrett, they all read the same Constitution we read, and I believe they take the same position that I do. The framers were emphatic And the states that adopted the Constitution were emphatic that the legislatures were going to make these decisions. There is no way that the delegates at the Constitutional Convention would involve courts in such political decisions and overriding state legislatures. There was no way the states themselves, the state legislators ratifying the Constitution, would authorize the courts to do so. As a matter of fact, they did not. They were very specific about what part of the government and at what level this decision is to be made by state legislatures. 
And the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania swoops in and changes the statute. Why? Because it wants to. Well, you don't get to do that. And so if Pennsylvania makes the difference in a close election, Pennsylvania will wind up being decided in the Supreme Court after the fact. And again, Justice Roberts created this situation. He's done it twice now. He's becoming increasingly a political hack, to be perfectly honest with you. I just saw a report that said the court now will be 6-3 to three conservative, and then about 90 seconds into the reporting, by a reporter, he says that Justice Roberts has disappointed conservatives on many recent key decisions. Well, then it's not a 6-3 to three conservative court. Why do they keep saying that? But I want to alert you to this. I want to be among the first to alert you to this. I was the first to alert you to it in the first Pennsylvania decision. And I've been the first to alert you to Article 2 of the federal constitution. I love, I love hosts now who say, like I told you 13 years ago, like I told you. They never told you crap. Period. But I wanted you to be aware of this. Let's get back. The Senator Cruz examining Jack Dorsey in his testimony, the Twitter CEO. Cut three, Mr. Producer, go. Two weeks ago, Twitter and to a lesser extent Facebook crossed a threshold that is fundamental in our country. Two weeks ago, Twitter made the unilateral decision to censor the New York Post in a series of two blockbuster articles both alleging evidence of corruption against Joe Biden, the first concerning Ukraine, the second concerning communist China. And Twitter made the decision, number one, to prevent users, any user, from sharing those stories. And number two, you went even further and blocked the New York Post from sharing on Twitter its own reporting. Why did Twitter make the decision to censor the New York Post? Uh, we had a hack materials policy um, that we... When was that policy adopted? Uh, in 2018, I believe. In 2018. Go ahead. What was what, what was the policy? So the policy is around um, limiting the spread of materials uh, that are hacked. Um, we didn't want Twitter to be a distributor for hack materials. Um, we found... Anyway, let's stop. These are not hacked materials. We know exactly what took place here. The laptop was there for over 90 days. The owner of the uh, computer fix-it shop, uh, based on an invoice and a contract that uh, Hunter Biden signed, then became the owner of the laptop and the hard drive. So nothing was hacked. Go ahead. The New York Post, because it showed the direct materials, screenshots of the direct materials, and it was unclear how those were attained, that it felt that it fell under this policy. Now, so in your view, if it's unclear the source of, uh, of a document, and in this instance, the New York Post documented what it said the source was, which it said it was a, uh, a laptop owned by Hunter Biden that had been turned into a re- re- repair store. So they weren't hiding what they claimed to be the source. Is it, is it your position that Twitter, when you can't tell the source, blocks blocks press stories? No, not at all. Um, we, our, our team made a fast decision. Uh, the enforcement action, however, of blocking URLs, both in tweets and uh, in DM, in direct messages, we believe was incorrect. And they we believe changed it. it. Go ahead. They believe it was incorrect. 
But they're still blocking the New York Post today, aren't they, Mr. Producer? The New York Post has no activity on Twitter right now. Cut four, go. Today, right now, the New York Post is still blocked from tweeting two weeks later. Yes, they have to log into their account, which they can do at this minute, delete the original tweet, which fell under our original enforcement actions, and they can tweet the exact same material and the exact same article, and it would go through. So, Mr. Dorsey, your ability is you have the power to force a media outlet. And let's be clear. The New York Post isn't just some random guy tweeting. The New York Post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. The New York Post is over 200 years old. The New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton. And your position is that that you can sit in Silicon Valley and demand of the media that you can tell them what stories they can publish and you can tell the American people what reporting they can hear. Is that right? No, this was this was a you know every person, every account, uh, every uh, organization that signs up to Twitter agrees to a terms of service. Uh, terms of service. Is so media outlets must genuflect and obey your dictates if they wish to be able to communicate with readers. Is that right? No, not at all. We you know we we recognize an error in this policy and specifically the enforcement. You're still blocking their posts. You're still blocking their posts. Right now, today, you're blocking their posts. We're not blocking the posts. Anyone can tweet. And the New York Post... Whoa, 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 whoa. He said anyone can tweet it? That's not true, Mr. Producer, is it? That's simply not true. That is an utterly false statement. Go ahead. Post on their their Twitter account. If they go into their account... No is your answer to that. No. No. Unless they and agree with your dictum. And you can't just retweet it. I don't know what they're talking about or what he's talking about. Finally, in this exchange, Cruz and Dorsey cut five go. Did Twitter block the distribution of the New York Times' story a few weeks ago that purported to be based on copies of President Trump's tax returns? We didn't find that a violation of our terms of service and this policy in particular because it was reporting about the material. It wasn't distributing the material. Okay, well, that's actually not true. They they posted what they purported to be original source materials, and federal law, federal statute makes it a crime, a federal felony, to distribute someone's tax returns against their knowledge. So that material was based on something that was distributed in violation of federal law, and yet Twitter gleefully— allowed people to circulate that. But when the article was critical of Joe Biden, Twitter engaged in rampant uh, censorship and silencing. And again, we recognized errors in that policy. We, we changed it within 24 hours. This is... This but is you're still blocking the New York Post. You haven't changed it. We have changed it. They can log into their account, delete the original tweet. Uh, you forced the Politico reporter to take down his post about the New York Post as well. Is that correct? Within that 24-hour period, yes, but we, you know, as the policy has changed, anyone can tweet so the So Twitter takes the view, you can censor the New York Post, you can censor Politico, presumably you can censor the New York Times or any other media outlet. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear, and why do you persist in behaving as a Democratic super PAC silencing views to the contrary of your political belief. Very well done. 
very well done by one of the best litigators in front of the Supreme Court. That's really a unanimous view of Ted Cruz. We'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. This is a very, very important topic, so we're going to continue to go through it, and then we'll pick up with the next important topic, which is the corruption of the Bidens, and they are corrupt as hell. Jack Dorsey, Twitter, is questioned by Senator Ron Johnson. Cut six, go. Okay, for both Mr. Zuckerberg and Dorsey, who, who censored, censored New York Post stories or throttled them back, do either one of you have any evidence that the New York Post story is part of Russian disinformation or that those emails aren't authentic? Do any of you have any, any information whatsoever they're not authentic or that they are Russian disinformation? Mr. Dorsey, we we don't. You know, so so why would why would you censor it? Why did you prevent that from being disseminated on your platform that is supposed to be for the free expression of ideas and particularly true ideas? We believed it fell afoul of our hacking materials policy. Uh, we judged in. Well, what evidence did you have? It was hacked. They they weren't hacked. We we judged in a moment that it looked like it was hacked materials. You were wrong. Surfacing, and and we updated our policy and our enforcement within 24 hours. Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi questioning Zuckerberg. Cut seven, go. Let me let me just make sure I understood uh, the answer. M- Mr. Um, um, Dorsey and Mr. Zuckerberg. Mr. Dorsey, did I understand you to say that you have no information indicating that the New York Post story about Hunter Biden is... Um, is a, 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 has a, a Russian source. Did I understand correctly? That yes, not that I'm aware of. And and is is that also your answer, Mr. Zuckerberg? That you have no information at all to indicate that that Russia was the source of this um, the New York Post article. Senator, I would rely on the FBI to make that assessment. But you you don't have any such information, do you? I do not myself. Yeah. So why would you rely on the FBI? You're making a business decision, genius. And now, Jack Dorsey's question by Cory Gardner, Senator of Colorado. This is, is, is really a shocker. Cut eight, go. 
I know we've established we agree content moderation can have certain upsides like uh, combating terrorism, but Twitter has chosen to approach content moderation from the standpoint of combating misinformation as well. So it's strange to me that you've flagged the tweets from the president, but haven't hidden the Ayatollah's tweets on Holocaust denial or calls to wipe Israel off the map. And that you, uh, you can't recall off the top of your head hidden or deleted tweets from other world leaders. I would appreciate that. Uh, that list. I think it's important that we all hear that. So that brings my next question uh, to the front. Uh, does Twitter maintain a formal list of certain accounts that you actively monitor for misinformation? No, and we don't have a policy against misinformation. We have a policy against misinformation in three categories, which are manipulated media, uh, public health, specifically COVID, and civic integrity, election, in election interference, and voter suppression. That is all we have policy on for misleading information. Uh, we do not have policy or enforcement for any other types of misleading information that you're mentioning. So somebody denying the murder of millions of people uh, or instigating violence against a country as a head of state is not uh, categorically falling in any of those three misinformation or other categories Twitter has? Not misinformation, but we do have other policies around incitement to violence. Uh, which which may um, some some of the tweets you mentioned are the examples that you're mentioning. All right. So if somebody denies the extermination of six million Jews, that does not violate the Twitter misinformation policy. But apparently the Biden story does violate the Twitter misinformation policy. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. At 8 p.m. Eastern Time in about 50 Four fifty-five minutes. I'm going to be posting a uh, show on Levin TV that I did. I believe it was yesterday. Days all mixed together with me. It's over fifty minutes. It may well be an hour in length, where I speak to you, my fellow citizens, about this election. I go through the early history of our country. Walk it through the 1800s into modern times. I talk about what's at stake and I have an opportunity on Levin TV to do it without interference, without commercials, without anything. We're putting in front of the paywall so you do not need to be a subscriber. It's absolutely free. And at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, it will become available to anyone and everyone. And you'll be able to link it and share it and send it as part of your effort to get people out to vote, your friends, your neighbors, family members, colleagues, co-workers. And I would encourage you strongly to send it around. It's not for me. I'm trying to use every platform I have to get out as many people to vote as possible and for them to understand what's at stake. You, Paul Revere's, can help us. 
You, Thomas Paine, you can help us by pushing this out. I'm providing the content. The Blaze TV network, where Levin TV is, we're going to bypass all the subscription issues, and we're going to make that available to anyone and everyone. So that will be posted on all the Blaze platforms. It will be posted on the Levin TV Facebook, but it will also be posted on my site. So Mark Levin Show Parlor, Mark Levin Show Twitter, and Mark Levin Show Facebook. And I am really hoping that you'll take maximum advantage of it and send it throughout the country. That you, folks, will be the Paul Revere's. You will be the ones on that imaginary horse warning your fellow citizens. And I'm hoping this provides you with the substance to do exactly that. Are you with me? Millions of you. Are you with me? I hope you are. So we will do that at 8 p.m. I, uh, before we jump into the, uh, the Bidens and their corruption, of which there is much. Michael Bloomberg has put an enormous amount of money into Florida, into Georgia, into Texas, into Arizona. We're talking about a total of almost $200 million. Why would he do this? Well, I know he hates Trump, but he's no great fan of the Democrats. They, made, they humiliated him. They made him look like a fool. Why would he do this? I'm about to show you why. Bloomberg had an interview on September 2019 on a show called Firing Line. Not the good old Firing Line with Buckley, but the copycat Firing Line on PBS. And I want you to listen very, very carefully to what he has to say and in response to the host, Margaret Hoover. Cut nine, go. The Communist Party wants to stay in power in China, and they listen to the public. When the public says, I can't breathe the air, Xi Jinping is not a dictator. He has to satisfy his constituents or he's not going to survive. He's not a dictator? No, he has to. He has a constituency to answer to. Doesn't and have a vote. He doesn't have a democracy. He doesn't. That he's doesn't not held accountable he by voters. If his, if his advisors I mean, is, is, gave is him, they check on him just a revolution. You're not going to have a revolution. Nobody. Well, no so. government survives without the will of the majority of its people. Okay. The Chinese Communist Party looks at Russia, and they look for where the Communist Party is, and they don't find it anymore, and uh-huh. they don't want that to happen. So they really are responsive. This is truly astonishing that he defends this genocidal regime. Sounds like LeBron James, who makes a fortune off of Nike, and Nike makes a fortune off of communist China. And that's the point. So does Bloomberg. In fact, last year, Bloomberg's corporation even expanded their activities in communist China. So it's my hypothesis, and I think it is a strong one, that Michael Bloomberg does not want Donald Trump to win because Donald Trump has taken on the communist Chinese. He wants Joe Biden to win because Joe Biden will appease the communist Chinese. Donald Trump doesn't bow to anybody, doesn't take a knee to anybody. Joe Biden does. Joe Biden is corrupt. His family is corrupt. He's a national security threat, even without all we know. He has always been weak on Red China, always weak on Communist China. 
exactly what Bloomberg wants. Because for a guy like Bloomberg, say what you will about principle and all the rest. It's about money. An investment of a couple hundred million dollars in a campaign to try and install Joe Biden as President of the United States isn't a whole lot when you're worth 20 or 25 billion, maybe even 30 billion, and you can increase that sum if you get the right president. This is why I believe, in my opinion, Michael Bloomberg is so active with his tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in this campaign, desperately trying to elect Joe Biden, desperately trying to defeat Donald Trump. It's shocking that I'm the only one to report this, the only one to figure this out. It's troubling that he's not condemned for what he's doing. He's trying to buy the presidency in order to advantage his corporation and to further enrich himself, in my humble opinion. That's why he's spending all this money in all these states and hoping to topple the President of the United States and install Joe Biden. And he's not alone. Billionaires all across Wall Street in New York, all across Wall Street in Manhattan, are betting on Joe Biden. Because they know Joe Biden. They've worked with Joe Biden for 47 years. And they know that Joe Biden's for sale. And they know how to get the Joe Biden. Lunch bucket Joe. And yet Wall Street wants him desperately. Even though he's going to increase taxes, massively increase regulations. Why would they do this? Why? Because they'll sit down with Joe. And they'll work out a deal. Where somebody else pays higher taxes. Somebody else is regulated. But Joe, we can work with Joe. Not Trump. Trump won't work with us on Wall Street. He'll put his foot down. Treats everybody the same. But Joe, we've known Joe for 47 years. He's malleable. He's flexible. We can work with him. He knows how Washington's supposed to function. Trump, the outsider. The non-politician. No. This is why these billionaires are lining up behind Biden. There are a handful of them who actually do believe in destroying the United States. But the vast majority of them are doing it for self-interest. For self-interest. And Joe Biden has done pretty damn well as a public servant for 47 years with multiple mansions and millions in the bank. And millions we don't even know about. So this is my view about Bloomberg, and he's not alone. It's my view about a lot of these guys lining up behind Biden. They don't care about unity and normalcy. You're not going to get unity and normalcy out of the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party is the party behind the riots. It's the party behind the Marxist agenda. It's the party behind Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And if they're not behind them, they're in front of them, defending them. Normalcy? Look what these Democrats have done to their cities. Look what they've done in their states. Look what's going on in my home city of Philadelphia. It makes me sick to my stomach. Where we have a Soros district attorney. 
where we have a Soros mayor, where we have a liberal governor in the, in the governor's mansion in Harrisburg. It makes me sick to my stomach to see what's going on in my city, the city of brotherly love. The reason why that gentleman was shot and killed, the reason why deadly force was used against him is right there in the video. Because time and again, the police told him to put down his knife. And then he charged the police. He ran toward the police. And they shot him with deadly force. That's what happens. White, black, Hispanic, albino. That's what happens. Inner city, suburb, rural, no matter. You charge a cop with a knife. You're going to get shot. And you might lose your life. Nothing to do with race, nothing to do with the inner city, nothing to do with anything but the fact that that knife, more people die from knives than they do from guns, by the way, that that knife was in his hand and he was rushing the police despite their constant efforts to try and persuade him to put the knife down. Now, we're told he had mental issues. I get it. But that doesn't make it any safer for the cops. There was a police officer killed, and I posted on this in Houston the other day, 41-year veteran, killed, because he went to a home where there was domestic violence, and he was shot dead. And nobody even knows his name. No rioting, no looting. Black Lives Matter has been behind the rioting and the violence in Philadelphia and Antifa. They've been fighting with one another over who actually controls the territory, like gangs, like mobs. But now you know that looting is in fact part of the Black Lives Matter mission statement. It's there. It's not written, but it's there. Because they're defending it. Looting. And there's absolutely no defense for any of it. I told you a few months ago, and I was attacked by the usual corners of the radical left with their front groups like Media Matters and others, that the President of the United States is going to have to use the Insurrection Act, just as other presidents have used it on many occasions, including George H.W. Bush in 1992 when the riots broke out in Los Angeles. Insurrection Act was passed in 1807. Thomas Jefferson was President of the United States. It was used in the 1960s to enforce the Civil Rights Act. It's been used to stop riots. It was used uh, during 2006 after Hurricane Katrina raised uh, many, many concerns about the civil law violations and so forth. You have civil unrest in these cities. You have the inability of the police departments with mayors and and governors who will not quell the violence. Well, the President of the United States has a responsibility too. The governors can use the state militia, that is the National Guard, to assist law enforcement. That doesn't trigger the act. Uh, the assistance rendered by the uh, National Guard, Military Reserve, 
Those are uh, forces that are in the state. But the President of the United States can call up the National Guard and federalize them. He can call up the reserves and federalize them. He can also call up active duty military, as Eisenhower did, the 101st Airborne. These lootings and riotings and arsons need to be put down. God willing, the president will be reelected. And he'll use the Insurrection Act to bring safety and peace in these areas where, where we have mobsters. Who are looting, who are killing, who are burning. You cannot have mayhem in a civil society, city after city. This is all organized. It's organized on social media. It's organized with all kinds of dark money. These are loosely knit networks, but they're networks nonetheless. And they know how to get on the spot and get on the spot quickly. They're joined by criminals, no doubt about it, by common criminals. But we cannot have a situation in this country where the police are not able to use deadly force when deadly force is called for because of somebody's race or gender or what have you. Everybody has to be treated like an individual human being, and every situation has to be taken independently. That's the way it works, and that's the way it's supposed to work. These cops did nothing wrong, and you know why I don't need an investigation? There it is on video. Plenty of video. You do not charge a police officer with a knife, or you're going to get shot and likely killed. That's not racist. That's self-defense, and they should do it every damn time it happens. And there is no defense for the reaction that's taking place in Philadelphia. You can thank George Soros for the DA, that is the non-prosecutor. You can thank George Soros for the mayor. You can thank the Democrat Party for the governor. And here we have another situation, a blue city and a liberal governor. And unfortunately, it's my hometown. It looks like it's gone to hell. I'll be right back. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane, but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So, folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I know it's only Wednesday, but hey, Life, Liberty, and Levin will not be airing on Sunday. 
It will be airing instead on Saturday. The live Life, Liberty, and Levin will be airing on Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, It's going to be a big-time show. I have no guests. It'll be me for the full hour. I rarely do it, but I do it in what I consider exceptional cases. It's the last Life, Liberty, and Levin before the election. On Sunday, Fox will be running their usual weekday programs with their weekday hosts. Again, so please mark your calendar or get your DVR ready. Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Life, Liberty, and Levin. Probably the most important Life, Liberty, and Levin I've done in my entire life. Clearly the most important Life, Liberty, and Levin I've done since I've been doing it. That's what I'm trying to say. And also in 30 minutes, I'm extremely excited to make available to all of you in this audience, your entire family, your chain of email contacts and so forth, a fantastic Levin TV that I also did, I believe yesterday or the day before, actually two days ago, that I hope you'll view and distribute to as many people as you possibly can. It'll be absolutely free if you go right now, Mark Levin Show, a Parlor, Mark Levin Show, Twitter, Mark Levin Show, Facebook. We have the link right there. We will link it again at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can watch that and listen to the show, or you can watch that anytime you want. We're going to make it available at 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, doing everything we can to get this president elected, to hold the Senate, and to win the House. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. America's Tyranny Hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. All right, let's get into this. Tony Babalinski. This man has a very, very solid reputation and a service background. And unlike Joe Biden, he's never been accused of plagiarism, about lying on his resume or cheating on a test. And he was interviewed on Fox by Tucker Carlson last night. Cut 15, go. I want to simplify this for the American people as much as I can. On May 13th, that email was sent from James Gilliard to me. I didn't generate that email. James Gilliard generated that email. And in that email, James Gilliard goes through intimate detail 
of what each individual's requests were from a compensation perspective and how the equity in the enterprise would be divvied up. Very important, May 13th, that email was generated by somebody else to me. In that email, there's a statement where they go through the equity, Jim Biden's referenced as you know, 10% doesn't say Biden, it says Jim. And then it has 10% for the big guy held by H. I 1,000% sit here and know that the big guy is referencing Joe Biden. Um, it's, that's crystal clear to me because I lived it. I met with the former vice president in person multiple times, and I had been meeting and talking with Hunter Biden and, and uh, Jim Biden and Rob Walker and James Gillier. Very important, number one, to know that the Biden campaign has not has not questioned anything that was said by Mr. Bobolinsky yesterday. Not a word. Just as they haven't denied the hard drive, what's on the hard drive, the emails, the dates, the times, the individuals named in the emails, and they have not challenged Tony Bobolinsky. And I can assure you they're lawyered up and they have a problem because this is all factual. This is evidence. And they know it. And what did he say? That he met with Joe Biden several times. That Joe Biden was the big guy who was going to get 10%. It's going to be held for the big guy by Hunter Biden. What are they talking about? They're talking about money from a Chinese corporation with ties to communist China. An individual Chinese with ties to the Chinese military and intelligence services. Does it get any worse than that, ladies and gentlemen? Now you know why they're working so hard, the media, to censor this story as a Praetorian Guard. Why Twitter and Facebook are censoring this story. Now you know why they're doing everything they can to keep this from the American people. Mr. Bobolinsky and I have just very simply told you what's going on. Joe Biden said on multiple occasions, and I played this for you two Sundays ago on Fox, what did he say? He doesn't know anything about his son's business activities. He doesn't know anything? Well, he met several times with Mr. Bobolinsky, and he was supposed to get 10%. I don't know if he ever did of the money that was being put aside from these Chinese, this Chinese company. Cut 16, go. I'm thinking about the Biden family. Like, how are they doing this? I know Joe decided not to run in 2016, but what if he ran in the future? Aren't they taking political risk or headline risk? And I remember looking at Jim Biden and saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Like, aren't you concerned? And he sort of looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. He said that out loud? Uh, yes, he said it directly to me, one-on-one in a cabana at the Peninsula Hotel after about a 
you know, hour and a half, two hour meeting with me asking out of concern, how are you guys doing this? Aren't you concerned that you're going to put your brother's, you know, future presidential campaign at risk? Um, you know, the Chinese, the stuff that you guys have been doing already in 2015 and 2016 around the world. And uh, I just can almost picture his face where he sort of chuckles and says, you know, plausible deniability. So he said this is a man who's been drafting off his brother's political career for almost 50 years. He said, to your face, essentially, we're, we're lying about it. Uh, uh, anyone uh, watching this interview can look up what plausible deniability means, yeah. and the uh, definition is very distinct. And it was something that was used during Watergate. Does this concern anybody? Does it concern you that the American media are covering this up? Cut 17, go. He's, and this is a company with direct connections to the communist government of China. So the former vice president has said he had no knowledge whatsoever of his son's business dealings and was not involved in them at all. But this sounds like direct involvement in them. Yeah, that's a blatant lie. When he states that, that is a blatant lie. Obviously, the world's aware that I attended the uh, debate last Thursday. And uh, in that debate, he made a specific statement around questions around this from the president. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I uh, almost stood up and screamed liar and walked out because I was shocked um, that after four days or five days that they prepped for this, that the Biden family is taking that position to the world. Um, and once again, I'm irrelevant in this discussion. I just was brought in to run this company and have uh, been exposed to all of this fact. And I believe the American people should see this fact. I would have much preferred the Biden family go on record and define these facts for the American people and the globe versus me sitting here uh, having a discussion with you on it. Shocking. I don't know how people can vote for Biden on so many levels. One, obviously his mental decline. I mean, after all, he wants to be president of the United States. Number two, his record, which is awful on so many levels. Number three, the radical he's chosen in his running mate in this radical 110-page Marxist manifesto that will destroy our society as we know it. Number four, his party is targeting the Constitution itself to destroy the Supreme Court and the Senate, the legislative-making process, and the vote to ensure that people who don't live in cities or don't live in blue states are disenfranchised. And now this, where the family is clearly corrupt, and if that wasn't bad enough, look at the national security implications here. There's no way Joe Biden can take a tough stand with these countries. There's no way he's going to stand up to China. Bloomberg obviously knows this. There's no way he's going to do it. And this is a critical time. Critical time. Cut 19, go. Is there anything about Hunter Biden's personal experience, personal qualifications that would justify him doing a deal in Kazakhstan? Uh, absolutely nothing. The only thing that he had was the Biden family name and the fact that his father at one point obviously was a sitting vice president and potentially would run as a future president. Mm-hmm. Let's continue, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. The Chinese and CFC uh, never viewed me. I'm insignificant and irrelevant in this discussion. 
To them, it was always the Biden family. It wasn't Hunter Biden. It wasn't Jim Biden. It was the Biden family who's obviously led and um, and operated by Joe Biden. And in a document that you guys have and uh, I think it's been provided to, you know, to the world, the Chinese reference that because of their trust in uh, the Biden family, that Chairman Yi and Director Zhang are uh, excited about moving forward in this. And in that document, they reference loaning five million dollars to the BD family. Right. The BD family is the Biden family. And notice they didn't say we're loaning that money to Oneida Holdings or we're loaning that money to Tony Bobolinsky or we're loaning that money to James Gillier or Rob Walker. They, once again, not a document generated by me, a document generated by CFC, that they're loaning that money to the Biden family. And the documentary evidence, as Peter Schweitzer mentioned in this program, shows this is a loan without conditions. There's no enforcement mechanism. There's no penalty. In essence, it's a gift. They call it a loan. To the Biden family. Through this Chinese corporation. And the Biden campaign, as I speak, has not denied any of this. Just throws around the phrase, Russia disinformation. Or attacks Rudy Giuliani or whatever. It can deny every syllable coming out of this man's mouth. It can deny every email. It can deny every name on the email. It can, it can deny the existence of the uh, computer repairman. It can deny all of it. Can't, but it won't. Because it's the truth. And yet people knowing this and listening to me right now, they'll blindly go into the polling place and vote for Biden, or they'll go in and vote early for Biden because... They can't help themselves. The Democrat Party is their faith. It's their religion. Their hate for Trump knows no ends. Cut 19, go. Biden family knew that you're going public with this. And you spoke to Rob Walker about it. Again, the the self-described Biden family representative. And Biden family, meaning Joe Biden as well. What was his response when you let him know that you were going public with this? Uh, trying to coach me, <laughs> trying to sort of say, hey, we don't want to do that. We don't want, you know, press trucks out in front of our house. I'm going to have to move. Uh, I could lose my job. Um, and uh, all that, um, you know, I'm not trying to cause any harm to anyone in this situation, right. let alone Rob Walker and his family, James Gillier and, uh, and his family. Um, but basically, Rob's position was if you go on record with all these facts, you'll bury all of us. If he doesn't come out on record, I am uh, providing the fact. You're just going to just bury all of us, man. What was your now that now that? stop there? That is a recording by Bobolinsky of Robert Walker. Bobolinsky telling Walker, who is the Biden fixer, or not so much fixer, advisor and assistant. If he doesn't come out on record, I'm providing the fact. And Walker says, you're just going to bury all of us, man. You're going to bury all of us, man. You just heard that. Go ahead. Um, I was focused on pushing these guys to do the right thing, to demonstrate an ounce of integrity in front of the American people. They all know the facts. I live the facts. And luckily for the American people, all the facts are extremely well documented. 
I'm irrelevant in this discussion, so I can write off, but the American people can read these texts, listen to the recording that you just played, read the legal documents that were executed in Delaware, and they can form their own conclusion. They don't need me to form the conclusion for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is overwhelmingly damning. And this is exactly why it's shocking that the major newsrooms and media platforms in this country aren't touching it. They can vet this individual. They can examine these emails. They can go back and look at the, the line of activity that's taken place to this point, but they won't do it. They won't do it. They want to kill it. Same thing with Twitter and Facebook. They want to kill it. This is shocking. I'll be right back. Lovin. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane, but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I want you to go to either Blaze TV or Levin TV Facebook or my social sites, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Parlor, all these places and more. You'll be able to link to my show that I've done, my pre-election show for Levin TV. It's absolutely free to all of you, the whole country. It's in front of the payroll. And I want to strongly encourage you to watch it. And then strongly encourage you to share it with everybody on your email list, everybody on your text list. It doesn't cost a penny. I spent a lot of time on this, and that's not why it's important. It's important because we want to win this election. It's important because I spent a lot of time making the case. And for many of your family members and friends and colleagues and coworkers, there'll be a little history lesson that they've never had. So it's all good. It's all positive on this Wednesday evening. It gives you another tool to use, the Paul Revere's and Thomas Paine's out there, to press the case in this election period. And to use your email, your texts, to get it out there as widely and as broadly as possible. And so we have it linked to all my sites, correct, Mr. Producer? And it goes live at 8 p.m. Eastern, correct? And that's four or five minutes away. So when we come back, 
I'm hoping by then you will have gone ahead and and hit the link and open it up and watch it. You can listen to this show at the same time. <laughs> I've got three things going at the same time and watch it. It's very, very important. Again, not because I did it. There's no charge. There's no no data. We're keeping nothing. It's because I'm doing my part as a Thomas Paine and a Paul Revere to get the word out just as I need you to do the same. All right. And when we come back, we're going to have a brave young man who's been reporting from Philadelphia and who was beaten as a result of it, Elijah Shave from the Blaze News Network. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader Mark Levin Hello America Mark Levin our number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 alright the link is alive and well right Mr. Producer it's working uh, I hope you folks are accessing it on all my social sites, Mark Levin Show, Parlor, Mark Levin Show, Twitter, Mark Levin Show, Facebook. It's all over the, Bra- the Blaze TV and Blaze News platforms. It's on Levin TV Facebook. Uh, and we're hoping some of our friends pick it up too. I'm not trying to promote Levin TV or Blaze, even though they deserve support. This is absolutely free. It's in front of the paywall. And it is my case, the last Levin TV before the election, my case for the country, for the republic. I walk through history. I talk of our principles and, of course, the president of the United States, Donald Trump. It is my earnest hope you will take the time to watch it and that you will share it with everybody on your email list, everybody who you can text, anybody and everybody, wherever they may be. This is very, very important, or I wouldn't be spending my time on it. Elijah Schaefer is a very brave young man. He's been on my Levin TV show. He is a reporter uh, with Blaze. Uh, he's been in Philadelphia, and yesterday he had a very harrowing thing happen to him. He was beaten. He was beaten by the looters and protesters. Elijah Schaefer, how are you, sir? I've seen better days, Mark, but I appreciate you having me on your show. I want you to tell the nation what happened to you, and then we'll go a little bit more forward about uh, what's been taking place in Philadelphia. Uh, well, specifically what happened to me is um, there was about four shopping centers, and you've got to understand the size of these things. These are not your little uh, you know, middle-of-America strip malls. These are your big coastal Walmart super centers, and that's what was, that's what, what was there. Uh, and and by the way, what Walmart. part of Philadelphia was it? 
Oh, this was in West. Uh, this was in West Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, but this was happening. Um, I mean, writing was happening in Central Philadelphia, North Philadelphia, and West Philadelphia uh, in different parts. So this was a pretty widespread event. All right. Yeah. So this was a huge shopping center, and um, essentially, looters had completely taken over the area. I think in this area there were a thousand looters. Think about that. One shopping center, a thousand people descending upon stores. Um, and specifically, I noticed people were looting a Five Below, which is a discount store. I walked in with several other journalists. Um, I'm only going to point out their race for a specific reason, because I believe I was targeted uh, for my race. Uh, I walked with Julio Rosas uh, from Town Hall, uh, Jorge Ventura from The Daily Caller, I walked in uh, with my producer, Savannah, and, I, uh, and they're all Hispanic. And I walked in myself, um, was the only person visibly Caucasian. When I walked in with my phone, um, I immediately was surrounded by a group of guys who used uh, racial slurs, uh, you know, pointing out my skin color. Um, they told me that I was not allowed to film any of the activities of the looters or the rioters. Um, I, I, I complied for a moment. I just said, okay, I'll put my phone away. And that wasn't enough. Uh, they attempted to rob me. Uh, they asked me for my phone, tried to grab it from me. Then they uh, punched me very hard in the face several times, uh, started pushing me back and kicking me into my shins and my body, and um, completely tried to jump me until one very young uh, protester, uh, a young a young African-American guy, uh, stepped in and essentially saved my life. That is unbelievable. This young man jumps in and basically stops them and saves your life. Yeah, he, they were, I, I they believe were, it was racially motivated, too, uh, based on the fact that they you know, called me things that had no foundation, like a white supremacist, when obviously I was just there as a reporter with no affiliation with any uh, maybe groups that they might have been opposing. There was nothing, no mistaken identity. I was just dressed like a normal person, uh, and you know, this wasn't the first time I had those attacks. Um, I wasn't the only white uh, reporter that was, that was attacked. Uh, James Klug, who's an independent reporter, was, was targeted and attacked as well for, with a similar experience. Um, you know, the racial divisions in this country are obviously very tense. I'm not surprised that this, this happened. Uh, but it, it was really, really an intense moment because just right outside, uh, these looters and protesters, all associated with a Black Lives Matter anti-police uh, event that was going on, they had shot a 15-year-old girl. Um, and they had assaulted each other over merchandise. And I thought, well, if they're willing to shoot a 15-year-old woman, I mean, what makes you think they're not ruthless enough to attack someone who they believe to be, to be their enemy, whether it was my skin color or the power of a camera, you know, filming crimes? I mean, I don't know what they had to be afraid of since they were all wearing masks, but, you know, I, I, have, I thank God uh, once again. People say, do you have nine lives? And I go, no, I have a, I have a Savior yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit put me out into the world to expose darkness. And I believe that, you know, I owe my, my safety to God specifically. When they were beating you at some point, were you on the ground when they were beating you? Um, they were trying to get me onto the ground. I, luckily, I'm, I'm six foot two and 215 pounds. I'm actually quite strong as well. I'm not, not a not not a bodybuilder, even though my wife would would like to say so. Um, you know, but I, I I'm a I'm a big guy, and you know these guys were, you know, a, a bit of a tribal mentality. They they you seemed like guys were just coming from all around to just beat up somebody. Who so it's like, like a mob target. that gathers. We've seen this all over the place. All of a sudden, there's five, ten, twenty people surrounding you, right? Yeah, and, that, and I've seen this before. You know, I witnessed in Dallas. 
this happen to, to people. I saw this happen in Kenosha. Um, I've, I've seen this happen around the country, but I'll, I'll tell you this, Mark. There's only three times post the George Floyd events that I have seen police completely lose control of a huge portion of a city. Once was in Dallas on the first two nights of, of, of the rioting when I saw police fleeing. Obviously, we saw that in Minneapolis. I wasn't there. I was covering the, the, the riot Southern. In Kenosha, I watched police just, you know, not the officers themselves being useless, but the force as a whole being powerless. And I'll tell you this, I know the, the governor and certain individuals talked about deploying the National Guard. And I, I can confirm on my account, uh, on other journalists who were there from other publications, the police needed the, the, the military in some capacity or federal help, I should at least say. They didn't get it. The National Guard was not there. The police seemed either A, to have been told to stand down, or B, gave up because they just let this go on for hours. And my question is, is that how we respond to chaos in our streets? We just let the people get it out of their system? I have, I have a lot of more questions about Philadelphia, the police, in our country after witnessing what let, I saw. Let, me, let me just say this. I grew up in, born in Philadelphia, grew up in and around Philadelphia, and the police force was second to none. And so my concern is what's going on here is that the police force is being undermined again by the leadership including the political leadership. Do we know this? Is this your sense? Well, I do know that there is uh, affiliations with, according to journalist Andy No, I will say, so I'll just name my source, uh, he uh, was, was releasing information today that some people involved with the police departments that were policing this were also in leadership in the Portland Police Bureau in 2019. Oh, good Lord. Um, yeah, so we have... And, and by the way, the prosecutor yeah. there was elected by George Soros, too. Well, and that's what I was going to say is, uh, you know, when I watched, I, I watched instances that I, I, you know, obviously I didn't get a, some sort of police scanner or I'm not going to fabricate some fake dossier, you know, to prove my point, but I can give you, you know, hard evidence. Then I watched people walk by police with just carts full of electronic goods from Walmart, from, you know, they, they looted a GameStop, a couple, a Boost Mobile store, T-Mobile, Foot Locker. I mean, uh, they destroyed a Chick-fil-A. I, I, Chick-fil-A sauce is good. It's not good enough to go to jail for. Um, you know, but they weren't going to jail. They knew it. And they just walked past police, and police just did nothing, just looked at people, didn't try to take the cart away, didn't try to stop them. They just stood there and just watched people. So they must have gotten a stand-down order. I could not explain any other, anything else to explain what I saw. There was a point where I realized the Constitution does not exist here right now. I am not protected by the republic or by anybody that has, that has been chosen by the people to represent them. This is anarchy. This is chaos. And like I said, I've only experienced that two other times, even though I've been to, you know, more than two dozen riots in the last six months, even though I hate to say that's the truth in our current situation. But this was a point of pandemonium where you go, this could be stopped, but they're intentionally letting this continue. They're not trying to stop this. This is just something they've accepted. And I, I, from someone who lives in a first-world country, especially the most powerful country in the world, and as a reporter trying to keep my bias out of it, I'm just thinking, I'm an American before I'm a reporter. Like, I talked to a resident who lived there, and he goes, I can't believe this is happening. Like, how is this being allowed to occur? And I said, you know, I wish I had the answer. I have my suspicions, but I really don't know. Let me ask you this. Black Lives Matter uh, prevalent? Oh, 
absolutely. I mean, this was this was in response to the killing of an armed black man. And, and, and by the way, I've said for the record, and I'm usually, and I am, very careful about this. The video is clear. He charged the police with a knife. That's what he did, and they have the right to use deadly force. This had nothing to do with race, the neighborhood, systemic anything. This is what the cops are going to do no matter who charges them with a knife. Go ahead. No, I, I agree. And I think that this is, this is something interesting that I, 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 I know you're aware of, and I know that you're very, very intelligent and critically thinking uh, listeners. But if somebody's been missing out a couple weeks and you go, what's the narrative? Why are they rioting, Why are they rioting today? You know, just a month ago, I was with a reporter named uh, Drew Hernandez from the Tatum Report. We were in Pennsylvania, actually, and there was a shooting of uh, a young man, a Hispanic man, not even black, and they say that he was autistic. He, in the same way, uh, had been charged before for stabbing other people. He broke into his mother's house, committed a crime. She called the police. He charged out of the house with a knife, full speed. The officer created space, as you should, before using deadly force, shot the man. There was a huge riot in Lancaster, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I started thinking, I thought this was about unarmed black men being shot by white police officers. Now, fast forward to these last two nights, we have the same situation. An armed black man who is approaching police a little bit more slowly and calculated, but for a longer period of time with a deadly weapon. He's been given warnings to put the knife down. Police do what they're supposed to, create space before using deadly, spo- deadly force, and they respond accordingly. Whether I believe it was the best choice or not, it's understandable, it's reasonable reaction. And yet, last night, the narrative changed that you can't shoot mentally ill people. And I asked a guy, I said, I'm pretty sure most homicides involve mentally ill people, because whether you're diagnosed or not, if you're going to go out and kill a cop or kill someone, you're either purely just an evil person, or most likely you actually are mentally ill. Why are mentally ill people suddenly going to be given the... the now, if you charge an officer with a knife, they're not really interested in your mental health. Now, let me ask you this, Elijah. Black Lives Matter was prominent there. So is it now part of the Black Lives Matter movement that looting is okay? I would say the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't condemn it. But I will tell you this, there's two players in this Well, in movement. Chicago, they call it reparations. Well, that's what I was going to say. This is the same victim mentality that they're being taught. And it's also, I would say, being more or less uh, taken advantage of by the BLM movement as much as the, move, as much as the looters are, are taking advantage of the movement. I, I think that, you know, we, we put a lot of blame of BLM and the destruction on uh, Antifa because they're white. And I think that it's easy politically to blame white people for problems. And Antifa is fully responsible for a lot. But I always... I, I was thinking today, you know, if you had the same building and you put a bunch of Antifa in front of it, they would probably break the windows and maybe throw a Molotov cocktail inside to burn it down. If you put a bunch of black, black Lives Matter rioters in front of it, they would break open the door with a crowbar and they would steal everything inside. Now, these are both destructive and terrible means, 
that seem to be more or less tied to certain races of people. But what it shows me is they both believe in the same ideology of victimization, that America was a bad country, that it was there to, you know, to keep you down. And what we realize is these ideologies, though they affect the communities and maybe even races differently of what I've been observing, they're both ending in chaos, violence, disorder, no matter what skin color you are. And Black Lives Matter and these movements that are endorsed by 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 politicians because they sound good on the outside refuse to condemn these people's actions mm-hmm. and instead like joe biden said you know basically called a, a cry for justice and that's absolutely what absolutely nuts absolutely apart right, let me ask you this what injuries did you sustain um well i i i thought it would be worse um they definitely you know i definitely woke up with a with a face full of blood and uh, first of all your start. mouth looked like it was ripped to shreds it it is very painful. Uh, I have like four lips at the moment. Um, I don't. Well, at least you don't have four eyebrows like Nancy Pelosi. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know uh, about concussions or anything. I haven't had time to get medical evaluation. I've been kind of just self uh, self treating here because it's been pretty pretty chaotic. Uh, a lot of work to be done uh, on the ground. Uh, but you know, ultimately speaking, with the amount of force and people that attacked me. Um, Yes, my head hurts. Yes, my bones hurt. Uh, but I'm alive, and I believe that God is working with groups of people in this country to protect them. I thoroughly do believe, and I have seen friends who didn't believe in God and got into this start to believe in God because they're going, now I get why our forefathers trusted in God because there's no way they could have won or beat the British. I, I don't want to run out of time. I want yeah, to ask no you one, one more question, which is this. Are you going to continue covering what's taking place? And is there any rioting going on this evening, as I'm talking to you, that you're aware of? Uh, we're monitoring scanners, and we're mobilized, and we're ready uh, to, to head out. We're near the, the, the center. So you're Planned prepared to go center. right back in and do more reporting? There's a curfew tonight at 9. Oh, I stayed last night. Uh, I reported for an additional, like, two and a half hours last night in at least 11 different stores. While, while you were bleeding? While yeah, and I even had to run a mile because another group of, of looters chased me and tried to jump me again. Uh, but I'm a pretty fast guy because I'm tall. But, yeah, I kept going for hours, and I, I reported all day today, too, because you can't stop the truth. Because let me, truth let me, let me just say this. You are a serious journalist. You're the kind of journalist who used to exist. We have journalists today who sit in their air-conditioned or heated offices uh, who choose to ignore what you're doing. Uh, but on behalf of the American people in this audience, I want to thank you. You're doing a fantastic job, Elijah Schaefer. Blaze is doing a fantastic job. There's other alternative media that's there doing a fantastic job with a lot of you young guys. God bless you, my friend. And we'll want to have you back very, very soon. Be safe, and we'll see you soon. I'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. 
And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Elijah Schaefer, what a young man. And there's several young men and women out there who really are putting their lives on the line reporting these things. That's how you're seeing them on the Internet. And I hope you're joining us on Levin TV as we've posted on all my social sites and it's been posted on all the Blaze sites and Levin TV sites, but all my social sites. The link to the piece we call The Stand Against Tyranny, episode 760. Absolutely free. It's in front of the uh, subscription wall, the paywall. So as many of you as possible can watch it and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can watch it after my radio show. You can watch it whenever you want. But I think it's important to watch it as soon as possible. People are voting. The election's here. And this is intended to help you spread the word and to push this link out all over the planet, all over the country. I'll see you in a minute. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. They can clone the others, but there's only one Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. The Philadelphia Police Force is one of the finest police forces in the country. I've had many blood relatives who've worked on that police force, and I, my suspicion was correct. The Philadelphia Police Department did get a stand-down order. These politicians are killing their cities They're literally killing people, and they're killing their police departments. Also, the United States Supreme Court, same thing, in the North Carolina case, is allowing ballots to be counted, received and counted, up to nine days after the election. By not acting now, the United States Supreme Court is ensuring that there is going to be a certain level of chaos, making it far more difficult after the election to make decisions about ballots and so forth. And you can thank John Roberts, who is an absolute disaster, let alone Chief Justice of the United States. But the Supreme Court of North Carolina, again, is violating the Second 
the Article 2, the second article of the federal constitution, just as the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania is. It's really a damn shame. Let's take a couple of calls here. Let's see here. Let's take a call. Let's go to James Sheridan, Wyoming, the great K-R-O-E. How are you? I'm good, Mark. How about yourself? Okay. All right. I thought the uh, Supreme Court kind of punning on the Pennsylvania case was almost guaranteed and probably designed to create chaos. By the way, they just did it on North Carolina. Same thing. Yeah, I just heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had a question. I always hear about everybody talking about three co-equal branches of government, mm-hmm. but I always was under the impression the Founding Fathers distrusted courts, so therefore they gave the courts the uh, least amount of power. No, I mean, it wasn't that they distrusted courts. Uh, they didn't have a lot of experience with uh, three branches of government and courts and so forth. Uh, gave the power to Congress to create the courts other than the Supreme Court. Uh, But still, that legislation in the form of a Judiciary Act would have to be signed by the President of the United States. They did think, as Hamilton wrote in the Federalist Papers, that the courts would be the weakest branch. And so we sit here, you and I, and we look at the courts, which are very aggressive. They interfere in all sorts of issues involving the culture and so forth, going uh, far scans from the Constitution's language. And now we have the Constitution's language in Article 2 that the state legislatures determine election laws and uh, the court's sitting on its hands. And these issues will get to the Supreme Court now and John Roberts and his merry band of leftists on the court are going to make it that much more controversial, chaotic, and divisive because of what they're doing, which is really absolutely nonsensical. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Let's continue, shall we? Vince, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. Go, Vince. Yeah, good evening, Mr. Levin. I don't even know where to begin. I never thought I'd live to see this day in my, in my hometown, my beloved hometown, the, the, the birthplace of what was once a great nation. There was such a pall this morning when I was out uh, going to the supermarket. It just seemed like there was tension in the air. New local business, well, local businesses had uh, boarded up even more than uh, more so than normal, and it's just it's just absolutely insane. I, I just can't put it put it any other way. To um, you know, because we had issues a few weeks ago with the the riotous outsiders coming in to attack out of the Columbus statue down here in South Philly, and it's just there's this element society. It's just lawless. I mean, there's no other way to explain it. I mean, we have a cowardly mayor and district attorney who, uh, ironically enough, even during his press conference yesterday, he even he was surprised and said, why are people destroying their own businesses and stuff? So I was even shocked at his remark. What a fool. That. And the governor's a fool t- saying it's mostly peaceful while he's sitting on his fat ass in Harrisburg. Yeah, the, the triumvirate here in the tri-state area, Wolf, uh, you know, Knucklehead Murphy and uh, Cuomo up there. Um, you know, and it's personal with me because I have my mother in one of those COVID-infested uh, nursing homes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I, again, I, I just wonder how You know, the it... Philadelphia police force could handle this if they're allowed to. Yeah, and the you... National Guard, if they were called in, could back them up and handle this. So this could all be dealt with. 
Yeah, and of course we had uh, Frank Rizzo over the years. This never would have happened under his watch. Uh, uh, no, it wouldn't have. And they hated Rizzo, and they called him a racist, and they attacked him, and they undermined him. Your lousy left-wing Philadelphia Inquirer. Remember, I'm from that town. And Rizzo kept the peace and order. The police chief, he was elected mayor. And they hated his guts. Almost like Trump in many ways, don't you think? Oh, definitely. I mean, he would have been excoriated if he was around today. I mean, he would have been. And in fact, it has happened since the mid-70s when he when he was uh, the mayor here. Mm-hmm. There's always been, you know, it took Hillary to finally come up with the word. But, they, you know, we all have been treated as deplorables uh, since the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and the news, for the most part, the news media down here has been completely arrogant. And in fact, the, the last Pulitzer Prize at the Philadelphia Inquirer one was about seven or eight years ago when they reported on a race problem down here between blacks chasing Asians after school every day. This, the public mm-hmm. school has since closed down. But the way it was reported, it was like, oh, they were urban youth or young teens. And they say, no, and, and they said it may have been racial. And I felt like telling the reporter, it was racial. You know, it's mm-hmm. like nobody dares. Well, here's the thing. The Philadelphia Police Department is majority black. And that's fine. That's a good thing. The police chief is black. Uh, But the problem is your mayor and your prosecutor and the governor, if they don't have the backup, the political backup, and if they're being given stand-down orders, what the hell can they do? And what happens? The people suffer. The looters come out. They know there's not going to be a problem. It turns into Minneapolis, turns into Portland, turns into Seattle. Philadelphia is not Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland. People need to understand It's a tough city. It's an ethnic city. People love their city. They love their homes. They love their neighborhoods. So what's happening in Philadelphia, very much like New York, Philadelphia is more like New York, is absolutely appalling. It turns my stomach because I know where these communities are. I know where this is happening. All right, Vince, thank you very much for your call. Yo, Manhattan, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead. Hi, hi, Mark. First time caller, long time listener. Great show. Thank you. Um, I wanted to comment on your uh, your earlier comments about uh, the, you know the the Joe Biden issue. Uh, you know he he mentions he himself basically mentions guilt because he says, "Look at my tax returns. There's nothing on nothing nothing nefarious on my tax returns." I I would I would bet you that uh, the ten percent for the big guy was him. And I, I would. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm certain it was him. Who the hell else is the big guy? And I would, I would even say, it's not whether it's an issue. He was getting the money through Hunter, mm-hmm. so he's not reporting. Anything. So you think they hit it somewhere? They hit it somewhere, and I don't think. I think he should be. They should be investigating whether he's vice president or not. You know, I think uh, they should be investigating. Here, here's the problem: if they win the presidency in the Senate. There's not going to be an investigation. There won't be an attorney general investigating him. Uh, The Senate won't have any hearings. The House won't have any hearings. The media are going to protect him. Nothing's, literally nothing's going to happen. Shocking, isn't it? it, Nothing's going to happen to the Biden crime family. And while that's going on, they're literally going to destroy our constitutional republic so they stay in the majority forevermore, just like they've done in California. I mean, that's how important this election is. This is why I keep hammering away, hammering away, and hammering away. People better pay attention. I don't care where in the country you live. 
You have got to vote, and even more than that, you've got to get other people to vote, or we're going to get our asses kicked and kicked for a long time, and your kids and grandkids are going to live in a country you do not recognize. Thank you for your call, my friend. I'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let us continue. Scott, Raleigh, North Carolina, Sirius Satellite. Scott, go right ahead, sir. Go ahead, Scott. I just wanted to... Hey, Mark. Can you yeah. hear me? Yeah. I just wanted to ask um, about the, the states like mine that are counting votes after Election Day. Yeah. Shouldn't there be some sort of gag order or some sort of suppression of the results on Tuesday night? Well, I'm not uh, suppression of the results on Tuesday. What does that mean? I'm saying, um, for example, in 2000 with uh, George Bush in Florida, they were reporting the results of Florida, even though there was, you know. Why why wouldn't they tell us the numbers when they get them? The voting is over. The problem is that they're now receiving votes after the election. That is ballots, things that aren't postmarked right, signatures that aren't right. People aren't actually physically voting nine days after the election. That's what I'm asking is if well, I've answered. the accepting votes, shouldn't we... I'm, my, my fear is if we report that Trump is ahead by 40,000 in Pennsylvania on Tuesday night, then... Yeah, I'm the afraid next- of that too. I'm afraid of that, too. So I don't, I don't know how you can get a suppression order, a gag order. Where would you go? To the same courts that just extended the deadline? Oh, no. There's no answer. I... All, All right, right, Scott. We're stuck. And this is why what the Supreme Court did is really quite unconscionable. Terry, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. Go. Mark, love your show. Listen. I talked to a friend of mine today, 39 years on the Philadelphia Police Department. That came from the top. Don't arrest the looters. And Unbelievable. If, he wants, if, he, if that reporter wants to meet me tomorrow, I'll be at the Broomall Wallet. All right, pal, pal, don't give out your address to a national audience. You don't know who's listening. Somebody could show up and kill you. But top. Yeah. 
Yeah, it came from the top. No surprise there. This is what I'm hearing. Cops were told to stand down. So looters were looting, and they knew they could get away with it, and they did. And uh, all those years paying for uh, law enforcement and protection. should be glad I'm not mayor of Philadelphia. I would have called in all the cops, given them overtime. I would have called in the state police. I would have called in for the National Guard, and I would have said to the president, if that's not enough, use the Insurrection Act. We're going to put this down, and we're going to put this down now, and we're going to show the rest of the country how to do this. It's called law and order. So it has nothing to do with race. has nothing to do with a bad killing. has nothing to do with anything. We're not going to put up with lawlessness in our streets anymore, or the society's going to collapse. People have a right to be safe in their homes. Businessmen and women have a right to have their businesses safe. People on the streets have a right to be safe. Enough is enough. This isn't even a debate. This is absurd. Thank you for your call, sir. Let's go to Renee, Southport, North Carolina, XM Satellite. How are you, Renee? Hi, Mark. I'm doing great. How are you? Okay, thank you. Uh, I love your show. I just love you to death. My husband and I listen to you all the time. I'm so thank glad you. I'm actually talking to you. Thank um, you. I just wanted to comment that um, I find it uh, totally insincere and ridiculous that anybody could think an answer of, uh, well, my taxes, I've shown you my taxes, and they don't show my illicit payments. How can mm-hmm. you not be satisfied yeah, with that? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like criminals. If That's like saying, uh, uh, Biden's saying, well, my official schedule doesn't show that meeting. Exactly. Exactly the same. I just find it amazing that that you would have to be. We can't have this many blind, uh, no, that's mentally right. challenged people in the country. All right, my friend. Thank you. I want to get to one more thing before I go. Joe Pollock at Breitbart, terrific man, and other places. Black Lives Matter protesters target Jews in Philadelphia while yelling "synagogue of Satan," yelling anti-Semitic slurs threatening Jews, BLM kicking Jewish men out of the area while telling them, you don't live here, the synagogue of Satan, uh, and on and on and on. Uh, This Black Lives Matter is an anti-Semitic group. I've told you this over and over again. The idea that athletes and sportscasters and politicians are behind this movement is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thank you all. And just a last point to to swing back, circle back to my social sites, and take a look at that Levin TV show. It's in front of the paywall. Have a wonderful evening, and I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.